Nobody went to school for sales. Each of us has our own journey, a journey that ultimately reveals the two opposing forces, the art versus science, the relationships versus the metrics, selling versus sales. What side are you on? This is the Love Selling, Hate Sales podcast. Welcome to the show. Today, I am joined by Riley Gallivan, Riley Gallivan, sorry, Riley, who is an enterprise account executive with Adobe. Riley, thanks for joining. Pleasure to be here, Josh. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. So you and I have worked together for quite a while. We've partnered on, I don't know, let's say 10-ish deals in our in our career. I would say at least. Yeah. And I think we, we've won nine out of 10, I would say. That's not too bad. We got a pretty good batting. Average. Is our track record that good? Oh, I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed. So you've been with the Marketo Adobe organization for how long now? Uh, I'm going on seven years. Okay. So you've been there as long as I've been with LeadMD. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, it's funny when I tell people that back in the Bay Area where I'm from, people always say that's like an eternity. You know, people right. average like two years at most places. And here I am just blowing that out of the water. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's super fascinating because we think about that longevity and we think about the organization that you've worked for over the past seven years. And, you know, you and I have both known a lot of the same people who have since mm-hmm. moved on. But what is one of those things that keeps you there for, for seven years? Oh, it's a lot of things. I mean, at first it was the people. Mm-hmm. Then it's also recognizing like the brand that you work for and how that like impacts your day-to-day selling job. Right. Uh, but it's like, it's a collection of a lot of things. Like we kind of lucked out. I'll, I'll say this much. Like Marketo was, has been great to me. You know, I, I do owe it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you have a company like that in your background, like you, you kind of just find it hard to replicate that somewhere else. You know, right. like might always be greener on the other side, but at the end of the day, it really isn't. <laughs> well, you brought up brand. I think that's an important topic, right? And I think it's undervalued for a lot of people in sales is when you've got a recognizable brand, the company that built the foundation for marketing automation, mm-hmm. how much easier is it for you to make a cold call, send a blind email when someone has heard of that Marketo brand? Oh man, it's it's a game changer. So I can speak to this from probably two perspectives. One, my, my dad has been in the tech world his entire life. Okay. And he's worked for the giants like Seagate and Western Digital. And then he's also done the startup mode where he's okay. the sales guy and he's making cold calls trying to say who storage is or who this company yep. is. He can't get a call back for the life of him. And sure. then I come home and say that I made a hundred dials at my first day at Marketo and got 10 people to pick up the phone and wow. three of them took a meeting. So yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. And then on the other end of the spectrum, when I did work for Western Digital, trying to, as a BDR, to sell uh, one of their small, medium business products, no one wanted to take a meeting just because no one ever heard of it in that segment. So yeah, I mean, it's a big deal. Like uh, starting at Marketo, not only being like a great product, but like you said, having a great brand when he picks up the phone and it's like, hey, this is Riley from Marketo. Did I catch you at a bad time? You know, it's like, oh, I'm a marketer. I know Marketo. I use HubSpot or I use right. or not. like, yeah, I'll, I'll see what this guy has to say for the next 30 seconds, but that I still might hang up on him, but I'll sure. that time of day. <laughs> At the very least it's interesting, right? And it's a door opener. Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I can't count the amount of times that the amount of meetings or the amount of, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Like good faith that I've mm-hmm. gotten from people just by saying that I'm at Marketo. Um, yeah, that's incredible. It's translated to a lot of success, which I'm clearly grateful for. 
Um, the other thing too, is like when you have a great and powerful brand like that, you, it creates so much customer advocacy and so much stickiness that you're able to leverage that, you know, not even just for your business, but for your colleagues' businesses too. Yeah. So it's interesting. You talked about uh, being an SDR when you first came on. And I think there's, you know, I've talked to a lot of folks in the Marketo world in different roles over the, over the years I've been there. Mm-hmm. What it was your SDR focused on inbound, outbound, a combination of both. How was your role structured? So I got there at a pretty interesting time. Uh, we were technically considered inbound reps. However, they overhired just like mm-hmm. every scaling SDR organization does. Sure. So a lot of it turned into, if you're not you know, hustling and looking for some of these accounts, you're not going to hit your number. So okay. it was definitely a hybrid approach, although we were considered inbound because we did have a, a separate outbound team that focused on cold strategic accounts. Interesting. Um, but yeah, when I think when I got there, they probably had enough leads for six people to hit their number, which means you could probably have 16 people there. Let, you know, let there be like a middle 40% and a bottom, whatever percent. Uh, but we had about 25 people. Okay. So everybody was fighting for scraps at that point. So how did you personally make that mental shift? Cause I feel like it's a, it's a different mindset from an inbound process and an outbound process. And, you know, correct me where you think I'm missing something. In inbound, I feel like you're able to just qualify heavily on the front end because people have already given you some sort of interest, right? There's high intent there. From outbound, you're trying to drum something up. So I feel like you have to be a little bit more like feeding, right? Uh, Feeding information, feeding education, whatever it may be. How were you able to make that mental shift? Um, It took a long time. So yeah. I came out into the SDR org pretty green. You know, I was right out of college. I'd only had one BDR role over a summer for like yeah. two and a half months leading into it. So most of my focus was actually around learning the product to an absolute T and then understanding what parts of the product drove value and return for those customers so that I could at least leave some kind of breadcrumb to help them understand what the value was. So the mind shift, I suppose, was was well, I wanted to not get fired. Um, so <laughs> That's good. I had to learn how to do that so I could hit my number. But I think, is that answering your question one off the, you know, learning the product so that I could actually articulate the the value to them? Is, is that what you mean? Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. I mean, it, it's funny because you and I have both heard this a lot, right? And I, it goes back to a little bit of the brand sentiment of the, the positive brand sentiment that a company like Marketo has, but, oh, you're with Marketo. We're with, let's say HubSpot. We're probably getting close to graduating, Mm-hmm. Like there's that perception that it's this, this natural graduation. Oh yeah. It's a foregone conclusion. At some time I am going to graduate to Marketo. And that's an interesting like mind shift to deal with. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, it, it was really awesome to hear. Um, especially sure. when you're, when you're outbounding into somebody and you hear that, you're like, Oh damn. Okay. What's, what's this guy's timeline? Yeah, exactly. Guy? What do they want to do next? But the, it was super helpful to hear things like that. And you're right. I mean, the brand, 100%, you know, being the Cadillac or being the Ferrari, however you want to call it was, it, it was that natural progression that you're talking about. So I do think that that's one of those moments where you, okay, you've got a catalyst moment. This person actually thinks that this is a graduation step for me. How do you qualify around that then? Right. Because you could have happy years as a rep and just be like, all right, there's a deal here, but is there really, I mean, tell me the good, the bad and the ugly of that oh, situation. Man. I mean, when you first, when you first start, it's happy years the entire time. Yeah. I mean, especially as a BDR. I mean, you probably remember this from you know your first sales days, but at that point, you're just trying to get that meeting over to an AE as quickly yeah. as possible. <laughs> For sure. 
let them disqualify it. Hopefully it's going to a junior AE so they don't have a ton of pipeline and they can just <laughs> that so I can get paid and move on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just, again, it, like it was one of those things that took time, you know, and eventually like, and this is actually something I would love to talk to you about is like the, the maturity of sales development representatives, I feel like is grossly um, evaluated incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's so much focus on the number and people shoving down, shoving opportunities down their AE's throats that there's a lot of lack of education to make BDRs great AEs instead of just great BDRs. So for me, actually, it, I took a lot of those times as an opportunity to teach myself how to be a good AE and mm-hmm. learn how to disqualify correctly so that I wasn't, you know, that SDR, the one with the terrible reputation, the one that AE managers weren't really too fond of because I was thinking about my career in terms of five years, not mm-hmm. one. You know, I don't care about making 110K this year as a BDR. I care about making 500K. Sure. Yeah. And that was kind of the the moment that one of my old leaders, Brett Andrews, kind of got me to think about. He, you know, every BDR goes through that motion where they want to quit. You know, they think right. that they can go to the next big venture backed company and they can get their salary doubled. And they think that they're going to get promoted in six months when in reality, it's going to take two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of sat me down and was like, look, man, think about this from a five-year perspective. Map out everything that you want to do in the next five years. What goals, how much money you want to make. And then start thinking that way when you're taking your calls. Yeah. I think that's really good advice. And it makes me think of a little bit about sales career mapping. It's one of those things that is a little bit odd in reality. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got this SDR function that's somewhat new, you know, kind of the Aaron Ross. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, kind of the Aaron Ross um, specialist mentality, which I don't disagree with to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. And then so you, you get this SDR, these are fresh people out of college, they start doing some prospecting functions within sales. And then to your point, if you're not thinking about that as career development to an AE role, you're not learning the whole function of sales, you're learning a little piece of it. So maybe you're good at prospecting, you get thrown into the sales role, but did you get taught the rest of it? No. Right? So you get thrown into a sales role, maybe you're an SMB to start and you start graduating, get up to enterprise, blah, blah, blah. And then there's almost this inflection point of, do I do management or do I do what? A higher enterprise rep. I right. Don't know. Well, and right. that's the thing. Like, I feel like I lucked out pretty early on. I saw, I was surrounded by good leaders mm-hmm. when I was a AE at first. I mean, you know, you and I both know Ted Purcell really well. Yeah. When I look at guys like that who can manage to bring together marketing sales and operations and create this well-oiled machine that just is churning out business left and right. And that's what I want to do. You know, right. I think every salesperson has a little bit of a, a matchup with marketing and they have mm-hmm. a little bit of vendetta against them. And then the ops staff also, they sometimes get on your nerves, but having a leader that can oversee all, all of those. And, you know, like, so a chief revenue officer essentially is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was lucky enough that I wanted to do something like that, right. but you're right. I think the, the general consensus among most BDRs is that they have literally zero guidance going into right just sales as a whole. <laughs> sure. Do you think it's is so I, I wrote a post about this recently, my first sales job ever was an intern in college and I was working for a shitty AM radio station. And <laughs> my introduction into the role was literally a pat on the back in a white pages phone book oh, yeah, on my you. desk. And it was like, have at it kid. I mean, wh- how much more is an SDR getting coming into an organization like Marketo than that? 
I mean, I okay. know that's a little well, dated. And I'll even give my Western Digital story first. I mean, they gave me a half-page script. Okay. Gave me a thousand business cards, and they said we expect you to be through this by the end of the week. <laughs> and it was just hang up after hang up after hang up. I was like, I don't even know what this product does. Sure. Like, I, so that that was one. Marketo was, was a little bit different, and things have changed significantly since you know in the last seven years we've actually developed a real sales sales enablement uh, practice. That's great. Um, so I'm stoked for everybody who comes in these days. But when I started, it was basically like here's what the product does. You have these like six videos that you can watch, and then mm-hmm. we're going to have you sit on all these qualification and discovery calls and that's it. But they didn't tell us what to listen for. Mm-hmm. They didn't tell us what was in like, what is your outcome of these calls? So <laughs> half the time I ended up taking notes for the SDR to give to the AE. Right. And instead of listening to why is the AE asking this question? Why right. did he qualify there? Why did he press them on this? Why did he not press them on that? Why did, why was he turned off by this? Sure. And I would have loved it if my leaders have had, you know, given us that kind of guidance. But I think when you're in like that hyper growth mode stage, they're just focused on churning and burning as many people as possible, getting them promoted, getting as much money as they can and goodbye. Yeah. Uh, But now there's a little bit more of a fleshed out process at Marketo that involves product education, ramping periods, focusing on, I I believe they do outbound first to help you understand like the value proposition pitch before before they move you to inbound, which is great. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think it makes sense, right? And just being able to, you can't outbound unless you know what you're selling. Right. And what the trigger points are for someone to give you any information. Oh, exactly. If you don't know how to ask those anxiety driving questions, you're just going to end up failing at inbound too. I mean, inbound, it's it's funny. I think, like you say, you get happy years right Mm -hmm. out of the gate. And that's the thing that you have to learn how to not to do if you want to be successful at the next level. Yeah. How much education is there, especially in a marketing led company, right? you look at Marketo built the content engine and all, and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. How much education do you get around things like, this is what our ideal customer looks like. These, these are the buyers. This is, these are those personas. How much of that goes into your education process? You know, I, I don't know if they get that now, but that was something that Ted Purcell was actually a uh, spearhead guy up. So when he brought marketing and sales together, he actually mm-hmm. led workshops that essentially did that. And Fantastic. identifying your ICP, you know, it's something that we talk about with our customers all the time when they're evaluating Marketo. It's like, if you don't know what your ICP is, you know, you got a lot more to figure out before you buy some technology to, to you know, just to fix everything. Right. But um, we spent a lot of time identifying those things and sp- taking our marketing dollars and putting it towards there. So, I mean, I don't know, we probably spent couple of weeks worth understanding why we do what we do and how we should do it. Uh, for some of us, it came pretty easy for others. I don't know. I'm not going to speak for my, my coworkers like that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's a good, right. If you know what I, what really good looks like and a really good fit looks like you're able to have a more educated and more impactful conversation with someone. I feel like. Oh, 100% because it, it lets you just speak to the the customer stories, the successes and whatnot. I mean, that was probably the best part about identifying like software companies and financial services for mm-hmm. Marketo was being able to talk about customer zero, right? right. You know, Marketo's customer zero. This is the return that we saw when we started doing it this way. Um, but I also think it helps you start speaking the customer's language, which is the most important piece because I don't know about you, but I've heard calls from some of my coworkers where they go into a financial services conversation and they start talking about like 
leads and uh, <laughs> what are the other words I'm looking for? But you know, I was just like, you need to start using things like assets under management. Right, exactly. Managers like, and being able to talk that language just buys so much credibility, as you know. It is. It's it's one of the most important things that I learned early on. I, I worked for an, an e-learning company and my, my boss at the time, he had taken his e-learning business and decided he wanted to make it a shared service. So, and create all these little niche businesses around it and partner with industry experts in those spaces. So we created a business in, uh, what was it? Green education or green building, mining, insurance, airport security. Like, so all these like really niche businesses. So I would go to all these different shows and you had to like know that industry's lingo. Otherwise you weren't going to have any conversations, but that was a really good lesson for like what you said. If I'm talking to someone in financial services, I need to know how they make money, mm-hmm. what their lingo is, even at the baseline level, because it's like an instant credibility builder. Yeah. Or it's like an instant see you later. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I exactly mean, right. Even if they know you're just trying at least a little bit. I mean, and that's the other thing too, that another piece of advice, not to go back to this too quickly, but that I'd give to SDRs and BDRs. It's like, you got to do a little bit of research on the company first. I, I actually remember an SDR, sorry to go on the tangent. Please. He started, he started off a call by saying, so what do you guys do? Nice. And I'm like, you didn't take 30. This was, I mean, this is probably five years ago at this point. Yeah. But I'm like, you didn't take the 30 seconds to go to their website, to go to their LinkedIn, just to see what do they do? Like, and you just wanted to ask the marketer and apparently it went well, which just blew me out of the wall, like blew my mind. <laughs> but I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So talk to me a little bit about your career progression at Marketo, right? We have the SDR role. And then where did you go from there? So there were a couple different levels of SDR. Uh, I was in the inbound outbound hybrid role. I moved into a strategic accounts outbound focused role. Okay. Maybe like one inbound lead every month. Uh, From there, I moved into what we just called corporate AE, which was working with companies that were between zero or one and 100 employees. And I was actually pretty lucky. The two territories that were open both had zip codes in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So I got my first two deals done in, it was Palo Alto and a zip code in San Francisco. So I got two deals done uh, in my first quarter and feeling really good going into the next year. Absolutely. Uh, The next year was also zero to 100 employees. I had half of Chicago, um, which was great for travel, not so great for uh, the territory itself. Won't dwell on that one for too long, (laughs) but I showed a lot of the right signs. So, you know, and that's the other thing, like sales is definitely a numbers game, but I think everyone knows that if you demonstrate the right amount of skills, you'll get more responsibility from your peers. So sure. I landed a couple of really strategic deals. They weren't the biggest in the world, but they were really complex and really, I guess, challenging for a, you know, a new seller. Right. And that got me moved into the growth segment the following year, which was 50 employees to 500 employees. And got it. That's, as you know, when I moved to Colorado and that's when we started working together a heck of a lot more. Yeah. Um, and that's when I just blew it out of the water. Um, and that was Marketo's sweet spot. It was a really good time, President's Club, all that. Um, and then after succeeding in that role, they moved myself and I think six other sellers into our, our field team, which okay. was at that point, trying to remember what the rules were, but I think we had switched over to doing revenue. So we were looking at $100 million in revenue up okay. to $1 billion in revenue. Yep. And then I was given another little bump this year before the, the enterprise jump to 100 million to no cap 
Okay. And then two months ago, I moved up to the Adobe strategic retail team on enterprise. So it's been a, it's been a wild ride over the last seven years. The, it's kind of difficult to like update my resume because of all the changes. And I'm like, at what point do I like make new roles and which ones do I not? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. I think if you go back to the zero to 100, right? Like I, you and I both know that's not exactly Marketo's sweet spot. We talked about the brand perception before yep. the Cadillac brand perception kind of is working against you when you're selling to that size company. Oh yeah. I mean, the, the whole like ease of use thing with Marketo, that was like our entire brand thing. It's like built for enterprise and you're just right. going against HubSpot and you're four times as expensive and you just think to yourself, shit. Yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. But like you said, I, I think the, the big takeaway for anyone who's looking at career progression is understanding the core concepts and doing the things well that can move you up and catapult you into those other environments because people are looking for those things, right? Yeah. I mean, totally. And I really think too, it's like sticking to your guns and sticking to your methodology. Um, I think there's, there's so many sellers out there who focus on feature and function and they, mm-hmm. they get lucky with the territory and they just, they can just sell based on that. They can sell based on the brand, based on the really nice features. Oh, look at this shiny toy. Right. But what really I think gets sales leaders eyes, or at least good sales leaders eyes is, is sticking to your methodology, understanding the customer listening to them. Like, so again, my dad's been a sales leader for 20 years and not to make it religious or anything, but he's like, God gave you two ears and one mouth. <laughs> That's they right. That, you know? So I, I think the reason that I've been as successful as I have, and I mean, you would know this too, from working with that, the deal that we did down in Colorado Springs together, mm-hmm. you know, they said like, you were the best salesperson we've ever had. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, I didn't do anything special. <laughs> I just listened to you guys. I understood what you needed as a business. I understood your growth goals. Yeah. I understood like where you guys wanted to be in five years. And then I let the lead MD team take the reins and start doing the implementation on it. I mean, sure. it, it's, it, it's very strange to me, like, and, and this is a whole nother thing that we could get into, but like even the name of the podcast, the perception of sales, sure. fun of selling. I mean, absolutely. It's like that. There's so many bad sellers out there who give what I would call myself a normal salesperson, bad names, or they make me almost look good sometimes because I do those basic things. So yeah, to the the sales progression thing in your career, like the biggest piece of advice I'd give to a BDR is focus on the skills that are going to make you successful at the next level. And then when you get to that next level, focus on just honing those skills. Your life is made in discovery. Listen to the customer, understand what they need. Don't worry about the product and feature yet. Understand what the product enables so you know what to listen for. But it's all it's all built on that foundation of just like understanding who you're talking to. Your life is made in discovery is like a picture perfect soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's where all your money is, right? Yeah, I agree. I, I I've had this conversation with someone that said that sales is really just discovery and negotiation. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't disagree right. at all. Um, I've definitely lost a few deals in discovery and I've definitely won a few deals in discovery. It's just kind of the way things are. And that's actually another thing that kind of sucks is I'm sure you've had these days too, days when you're on and days when you're off. Oh yeah. I've had, I I, I think I tried to psych myself up for a really large account in Colorado one time and I was just having an off day and they just did not want to talk to me afterwards. No go. So, but on that point though, one of the things I've always appreciated about working with you and, you know, at the end of the day, the organization may write the check, right? But you are still selling to people. Yeah. And any deal I've ever been in with you, you are so good at building rapport early. 
where do you think, is it just the listening? Like, where does that come from? People love you when you're <laughs> like, I, there's just no question about it. Uh, I think it's a, it's a couple of things. So one, it's listening Two, it's asking questions. And I think I've been like blessed that I've been going up against apparently really bad salespeople my entire life who <laughs> don't actually ask questions and, and listen to people. Right. For Marketo, I would say a third one is having a really deep understanding of the product. Yeah. Uh, I think I've met a couple marketers where they say, hey, this is a really crazy use case. We want to do this. Mm-hmm. Can you do it? And a, a salesperson at, I hate to, to drop names, Salesforce would sure. just say yes. And then they'd say, well, explain it. They can't explain. Yeah. I was able to explain it a lot of the times. And I think that built a lot of credibility with me and the IT folks. Right. Uh, and some of the more advanced marketers. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's that I love being on site and in front of them. Yeah. I love trying to open them up like at dinner, whether or not it's over drinks or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, I try to be a human being and more than just that, that sales bro that comes in and is just trying to wheel and deal them and make them buy this fancy new car. <laughs> and that's the other thing too. And, and my favorite sales methodology is Sandler for mm-hmm. that reason. I mean, I love softening statements. It's like, Josh, I'm not here to sell you anything today. I really just want to get to know you. And then I don't go, I go through the entire meeting without pitching them once. And they're like, oh, wow, he's actually being honest with me. So I think that goes a long way. But I think, again, it comes back to, it's amazing how many sellers will just drive straight into the pitch, right into the feature function and just completely blow that kind of credibility that you would normally get. Yeah, I agree. And don't you think that people, when you say, no, we can't support that use case and you're just honest with like, that's a huge credibility builder in my, in my opinion. Oh, totally. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of an example when, when we did that. Oh yeah. The, uh, discovery call with this person who needed a a SQL, SQL database table so they could run, um, multi-object queries. Everything about Marketo was ready to sign a contract allegedly on the discovery call. (laughs) Right. Um, and we're just like, I, I can't help you, miss. And she's like, really, I have my credit card ready. And I'm like, I can't help you. Like, yeah. We don't do that. I'm not just going to throw this over my customer success team, which I have a pretty good relationship with them too. I think for that reason, I don't sign yeah. bad deals. So, it's, And I uh, think that's huge. Like not signing bad deals gives you so much more credibility within your organization. And yeah. the amount of time you saved by, again, knowing your product well enough that you could ingest that use case quickly, diagnose that it's not going to work mm-hmm. instead of bringing in a solution architect, bringing in this person, bringing in that person and just spinning a bunch of wheels, being able to quickly diagnose that we might not be a fit, I think is valuable to all parties involved. Totally. And, and I'll even just give a quick disclaimer. I've definitely closed a bad deal or two in my life. Who hasn't? <laughs> Everybody, not, has. Um, Everybody has. Everybody has. <laughs> yeah, but it, it really is. And then I think it's also kind of refreshing when you loop in one of those extra resources and they get on the call and they know that they actually had to be there. I think they appreciate it too. Like nobody wants to go to an hour long technical discovery call Mm -hmm. where they don't speak or they weren't supposed to be there. So knowing when and where people are supposed to be is also super helpful. Yeah. So a little bit of a transition, talk to me about strategic enterprise retail. What's, what's that all about? That's your new, the new world. Yeah. Yeah. It's a new world and it's, it's going from being the guy, you know, the man owning all the accounts, owning every relationship with the C level, selling everything that you can under the sun to them to being a, I mean, I'm a specialist underneath a named account manager. Got it. 
So it's a little bit of an ego check, but it's a welcome one because instead of working with, I don't know, 10 to $15 billion organizations, now I'm working with the giants of the world. So right. I won't rattle off the account list, but it's it's every department store that you've probably ever heard of. Um, right. It, it is within there. But um, it's really interesting too, to get a little bit of vision into not just like what marketing teams are doing, but what like data and insights teams are doing. So yeah. what people are doing with Adobe Analytics, Adobe Target, Adobe Experience Manager, um, how all these things cross over between one another. And I'm sure as you saw at Adobe Summit, we just launched a new marketing automation tool, mm-hmm. Adobe Journey Optimizer. Yep. Um, so I'll be spearheading a lot of the efforts for that uh, to most of these accounts, which is really exciting. I mean, it's kind of, it's cool to see beta customers growing with it, finding, you know, the errors within the system, getting development on it to make all those patches and yeah. then uh, getting GA out to everybody, getting more customers on board. And I mean, it's fun. Um, it's definitely a new world though, being in more of a supporting role um, because, you know, it's like, I am not talking to the CEO daily. My name is, right. um, but it's probably a lot more work. <laughs> right. It's strange how much more detail goes into these sorts of things, but it makes sense. Um, you know, these are the the giants of the world. You need to be yeah. 100% perfect every single time you talk to them. Absolutely. Very important. So for those who don't know, we're talking about a to- Adobe strategic account structure, right? How you support an account. So this named account manager is like the strategic overlay for all the products that Azobi could potentially sell. You are the specialist for the Marketo suite or the marketing automation suite. Yeah. So customer journey management. So okay. it includes Marketo visible and the new Adobe journey optimizer tool. And then Great. any client who would be looking at Adobe campaign classic, for example. Got it. Um, so so there's other folks like you yes. that are representing other products within Adobe suite. Mm-hmm. There are about, I think there are five, there's a data and insights person who does platform analytics, target, another person for uh, Magento, another person for Workfront. So yeah, it's a it's a pretty big collective ecosystem, and that's actually one of the funny things. And you're probably used to this with me, Josh. Like in our old selling motion, we'd show up to these meetings, and it might just be you and me, right? And Mark, yeah. And then we got like maybe seven or eight people in the room. Yeah. When I get on these Zoom calls or these Teams calls, it is fifteen people from a team, forty five people from the other team, and you're just like. It's probably good we're all, we're remote right now because I have no idea where we'd be sitting in an office. Wow, that's amazing. That's well, it's interesting. You know, we talked about the SDR AE relationship. What's this specialist NAM relationship like? How often are you communicating with them? What does account oh, strategy look like? Daily. So we weekly meetings with the entire account team. We have daily okay. probably talking to them daily about use cases that we're putting together with my tool, the tool in my bag that's being brand new. I'm basically charged with coming up with strategies to get it into the account and okay. figuring out ways to say, Hey, one plus one equals three. You're using uh, platform and you're using analytics. This is how AJO can benefit you. Or if you're using sites and you want to use AJO, this is how it can benefit you. So my charter over the last two months really has just been building out sample use cases okay. and documents for these customers, setting up microsites for them to learn about it. Hmm. And then basically loop in relevant stakeholders who can do pitches on these and just let people know that we have it. Cause as you know, it's, it's not quite like the old world where you could get a deal done in three to six months. Exactly. Right. These are, these are 18 to 24 month things. So we don't even, we don't really mind like going straight into pitches with them because we just want them to see it. We want them to get excited about it and eventually take a deep dive and 
you know, give us some information about how it might be able to help. Well, I think going straight into pitches is maybe a little bit of a misnomer too, because in my experience working with some of the Adobe NAMs, they are really good at building those relationships strategically at a high level in those organizations. And when you're coming into pitch, it's been teed up in a very intentional way. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great too, to like someone, someone like the best NAMs that I support are so close with their stakeholders that they can basically just say, I need you to give me 30 minutes so I can have my specialist come in here and pitch this. And this is how it'll benefit you. And they'll go get 10 people to come sit in the meeting with you because they know it's going to be worth their time. That's incredible. It's just, it's, it's amazing. So it's a very new thing for me, learning how they go about this. It's a lot of work, uh, which is exciting. Like it's also really just exciting to watch them do all their work too, because they have so much going on, but yeah. It's, it's cool. And it's also just great to be around salespeople who've been around, you know, been in the game for as long as that. For sure. They just, they've, they've seen everything. I yeah. mean, I like to think I've seen everything, but truth is I have not. <laughs> no, none of us have. And it's great. Like, and I think that's the career pathing thing for sales. That's the most interesting because as mm-hmm. a seller, you want to find people who are better than you. Totally. Like you want to find people that are digging under rocks in different ways so that you can get better. Cause you know, not everybody's cut out for sales leadership. And I'm the first one to say, you know, I tried it at lead MD and I sucked at it. Right. <laughs> and I was lucky that the opportunity, the organization was able to say, yeah, fine, take a step back and, and go be an individual contributor again. Mm-hmm. But not everyone wants to just be a sales leader. So having new ways to sell is interesting. Oh man. And I'll even just give an example of that. Like I thought I made a pretty nifty account plan. I thought they were pretty good. And then, <laughs> nifty. And then I took a look at one of the NAMS account plans and I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I, yeah. I have been one up times 10 and uh, yeah, I got some work to do. <laughs> yeah. It's good to get brought, brought down a peg every now and then. <laughs> it's a nice little ego check. And that's actually, Oh man, that that's a whole other tangent. And maybe this is we'll have to reserve this for another conversation, but like having a manager or a leader who can give you a little bit of an ego check or bust your butt a little bit. Totally. Critical for being successful in sales. I think, I mean, Tony yeah. Benvenuto did that to me and it's the reason I think I'm as, good at my job as I think I am. Yeah. And maybe not. I, I hope I don't think I'm so much better than I am. But. Yeah. No, Tony's fantastic. I, I know Tony. And it's funny you mentioned Tony, who's at uh, Seismic now. Yeah. I was doing an account map with one of the Seismic sellers, one of their enterprise guys mm-hmm. to think about, holy cow, I'm doing this really poorly. He showed me his account map and it was like the sexiest connection of dots between all these layers in this huge enterprise organization I've ever seen. I was just like, Oh man, I suck at this. This guy's a baller. <laughs> Tony, Tony knows how to pick him, man. He's, he's got, he's got a good team. He was the yeah. guy who gave me a chance. And I think that goes back to saying like when I was demonstrating those, those skills, I didn't necessarily have the numbers as a BDR, Yeah, but I was demonstrating the skills that maybe would have made a good AE. And I had built the rapport with other AEs that were on his team. He was the one who gave me a shot and he literally said it to me. He's like, Galvan, nobody wants me to hire you. Like yeah. your numbers aren't good, but I'm going to give you a shot. And it, I mean, it paid off clearly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's when people have that ability to just see things in people and know where to put them to be successful. That's incredible because not everyone's the same. And I do even think there's always this, you know, the software companies talk about product market fit. And I think there's this, this is a common theme on this show is the idea of seller market fit. 
You know, mm-hmm. what market are you good at selling into? You and me sell to marketers. We're pretty good at selling to marketers. We might not be as good at selling to IT guys, right? Yeah. Um, and sales cycles. I don't know if you remember an old colleague of ours, uh, Kurt Masecki, dude, one of the best like high volume sales guys I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. He was so good, right? But longer, more strategic sales cycles weren't really his jam. So even the fact that you've been able to shift from a zero to a hundred, probably quicker call to close sales cycle, yep. you know, to now you're in these big strategic 18, 24 more sales cycles. That's a pretty big mental shift. It really is. Um, and I think that's another thing that I would probably say from an adv- advice perspective to young sellers, like figure out what you like. Um, yeah. You might've worked with Brian Romante. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Brian. Yeah. I think he's at, he's at zoom now. He's leading the team. He's doing really well, but yeah, when he, when he was at Marketo, he loved the, the 30 day sales cycles and he hated the four month, six month ones. And yeah. he took it as a sign to be like, I'm going to go work in an organization that has, you know, maximum two month sales cycles. I want to be at my desk all day. And by the time it hits five o'clock, I want to be on the phone the entire time. Cause I'm just literally closing business left and left, you know, the entire yeah. time. You um, should know that about yourself. Yeah. And it's just, it's a great way to at least have a reality check to know where you want to go. So that, I mean, that's another great piece of advice to anybody who'd want to, you know, try and move up in the world is recognize that kind of thing. And you should be able to figure that out pretty quickly. I would imagine. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, either way, sales is a grind, right? So you might as well be grinding in a way that fits your personality and fits your style. You got to love it too. Like the people who, uh, who leave Marketo and then come back and you know, those are are the funny ones. That's when you know, but (laughs) yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, Riley, this has been awesome. Anything you want to tell the audience uh, how, to, how to find you? You want to say anything about Adobe, Marketo? What, what do you What do you uh, want to leave us with? I mean, if, if they want to find me on LinkedIn and chat sales, I'm always happy to do that. Uh, Riley Gallivan on sales. Um, to anybody out there who's listening as an aspiring BDR, don't give up. Keep grinding. <laughs> Tough job. Uh, to all my sellers out there, um, keep selling, man. Happy selling. Right on. Well, th- thanks for joining the show. It was a real pleasure to have you. Hey, thanks for having me. I'll see you.